and welcome to Unwritten Imaginings, where lazy authors talk about story ideas that they'll never get around to writing. New episodes every Sunday. Let us know if you use one of our ideas and we'll give your story a shout out in a subsequent episode. Book a free consultation with one of our specialists to match you with your ideal story idea. We have specialists now? I don't know, are we the specialists? I don't know, that, that book of free consultation usually refers to somebody that you would hire or something, not just, to, what? you know, the people who are talking. You know what, if, if somebody really wants a consultation, just, just email us and we'll, we'll do it, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> we might do it, it depends on, you know, a number of factors that go around. It's like real it is oh. for short stories. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> anyway, uh, as you probably just heard, there, today, we have a guest. Uh, do you want to introduce yourself first, you know, if you're already talking? Uh, sure, my name's, uh, my name's Bebbit. Um, that's, a, that's a mononym, and that's, uh, that's where I'm going to end to that. So how you doing? Okay. That's enough. Yeah. Uh, I'm Eunice. I write Fantasia and... Uh, Eternosaurus. I literally just forgot the name of my own fiction. Um, and you can find those on Royal Road as well as other web serial hosting sites. Uh, I'm mostly vegetarian. Hi, I'm Atheo, um, author of Rune and Metagame on Royal Road and Scribble Hub. At this point, it's probably Rune on Scribble Hub and Metagame on Royal Road, but you know, that's fine. <laughs> So, as per tradition, our guest uh, provides the idea for the week. Well, s- some uh, some backstory. I've always been a big fan of um, uh, fantasy and uh, horror novels, um, and it wasn't until I hit um, I started reading Brandon Sanderson's um, Stormlight Archive series that I actually started uh, getting real interested in um, the more meta aspects of uh, writing, and. As soon as I started getting behind that series a little bit, I thought this um, uh, way to blend it between horror and um, fantasy in such a way that will allow for multiple worlds to go inside. Well, it started off with a simple little project, basically um, a sort of shadow over Innsmouth set, uh, setting with um, a cult following worshipping a, a moon that they're not sure how they're uh, speaking to, and eventually it started to spiral out of control until I, uh, I abandoned the story. isn't that just the story of like every writer's life so i had this really cool idea and then it spiraled and then it spiraled and then i abandoned it the the main issue was that i wanted so many different things uh to be going on in the story that eventually i realized that i was writing eight different stories and so i'm like why don't i just take all of these eight and then just start working on individual ones until i figure out which one i like the most and then focus on that which i'm doing now yeah i mean when you sort of look at it like it's a bunch of different stories uh that's one thing i mean a lot of the time you can have like a bunch of different ideas that are worth a story on their own but like you just throw them all together and it works out that way but you sort of have to that that's always a lot more difficult than having just like a single unifying idea. Exactly. So, what elements of that idea do we want to form the nucleus of this story that we're gonna make? Well, let's see. We could uh, focus on either the horror, the magic system, um, the world building aspect, um, the characters. We could uh, we could do anything. Uh, which one do you think? Let's grab two with the horror and the magic system. 
the horror and the magic system. The horror was um, bad whenever I wrote it, so that that needs <laughs> some serious work. Um, basically, I didn't know how to write uh, cosmic horror, and I still I still don't know how to write cosmic horror. So I tried my best to uh, put together things that were scary, and basically I tried having a, um, a sequence where people were trying to break down. Um, a door of one of the main characters and he was trying to fight him back with a, uh, a fire poker eventually the door breaking down and he has to escape the issue is author intention the scene started to become more funny than anything and <laughs> my beta readers started to uh started to ask me what what i was what i was doing with this <laughs> yeah no i understand that I've read a total of 1.3 horror novels in my entire life, so I'm not going to be much help here. <laughs> I've read quite a few of them. Um, I will say that I'm not necessarily the best person to go to for horror as it's intended to be understood. Uh, because that while I understand what makes things scary to other people, uh, most of that is not something that I have particularly strong feelings about. So, specifically, uh, when we're talking about cosmic horror and you're talking about something breaking down the door where the main character is, I think you got your wires crossed there a little bit. Uh, cosmic horror, specifically, is a lot about the atmosphere and, like, knowing that there's something, but not knowing what that thing is or where it is or when it's going to come for you or what it's going to do. With the being present... And being physical and being able to be fought off with a fire poker, you kind of gave that up a lit, like a lot. I, I should I should clarify uh, in in this scene. I I should probably have uh, been more clear. Uh, it was uh, it was townspeople that were trying to break down the door um, under the influence of the uh, of the cosmic entity. But the mm. the issue was uh, again it was just um, it was more funny than anything. I, yeah. I, I couldn't I couldn't put enough tension. I used as much imagery as I could. The the stench of blood, like the uh, uh, the cracking of the door hinges, um, the rustling of the crowd outside, and it just eventually I just got to the point where I'm like, this is um, this is bad. I'm not gonna finish this. Well, when it's moving too much, um, specifically horror is a lot about your atmosphere. So if you're giving too much information, it essentially um, takes out from what the reader can interpolate with their own mm-hmm. with their own feeling. Um, That's true. So you should, and especially when you're using imagery that um, people recognize a lot. So like when you say the stench of blood, there is the stench of blood that exists, right? That like physical sensation, that, that smell. But that's not exactly what people are getting there because that phrase has been used so much. So instead, what you get at that point is sort of a cliche, not not a cliche exactly, but the words stick out more than the scent. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I, that's a good take. Like I, I didn't consider that. Um, yeah, because everyone, every every horror author that I speak to, they talk about um, letting the reader do most of the work, but I've never considered that. Yeah. If you want things to be particularly vivid, you need, like, wording that is not something that the reader's already read, so they actually, like, work to process it. And And if they've read it a few times, it's fine. It's when they've read it, like, over and over and over again that it becomes, this is the word 
not the reality. And then the other thing, yeah, like always, the reader's imagination is going to be more powerful than like any kind of level of detail that you can describe anything. So yeah, like I, I very often like don't even talk about any of my characters, like physical characteristics, unless they like become relevant, because no matter what you do, the reader's going to just replace that with whatever they want anyways. So yeah, you can make things a lot scarier if you're like, there's an ominous feeling creeping down my neck. Nothing's there. <laughs> well, like if, if we were to take some, if you were to take like character descriptions, for example, you people are going to slot in whatever they feel like anyway. So your character descriptions are there to give an overview or like one identifying feature or two identifying features, but you're not going to get like the image of them into your mind. So especially when it comes to horror, like you're trying to do the same thing, but with phenomenal cosmic horror. (laughs) And then, yeah, like, especially I would like to point out fresh blood does not have that much of a smell. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So, so if you want to talk about like the stench of rotting blood, now that is a separate, separate issue. So like, yeah, there's certain things that you really need to evoke what the actual sense and experience of is, which I guess not that many people. I mean, when it's fresh, you get like that irony, coppery tang to the air, which is always fun, but. I mean, I, I guess my sense of smell is not that keen because. Honestly, I have never really smelled fresh blood. I've tasted it if I had a nosebleed, but not like smelled it from <laughs> a wound. One of my uh, one of my old coworkers, he used to work at a uh, a butcher shop, and not like a, a mom and pop butcher shop, but a um, industrial, industrial. Yeah, and one of the things that he used to complain about was um, not the stench of blood, but the stench of um, meat. And yes, yeah, he he had a uh, a big area where they would put uh, scraps of meat in and mm. if someone was inexperienced enough they would be able to they would throw in the meat sawdust I guess that they would uh, they would have off of uh, one of the big um, uh, cutters and they would throw it <laughs> into yeah and they would throw it into the um, into the, the spare meat parts I guess and all of the noxious fumes that would have built up over the past few days, would immediately get displaced by this meat sawdust, fill the air, and everyone would throw up. Yeah. So yeah. I want that feeling in a, in that scene. Yeah, like, if you want to evoke the sense of smell, it has to be, like, something that most of the readers have experienced and is, like, highly unpleasant. You know, like, sulfur. Uh, no, because, again, rotting. you're doing the same thing there. But if you were to no, say, no, no. Like, I mean... I don't mean like describe it as sulfur. I mean have that smell in in the yeah. air. Um, it's essentially you're trying to do something that's recognizable, but also that's not something that they've heard so many times that they no longer care about. Is is the balance that you're striking there? But yeah, sulfur, rotting meat, are pretty. Sulfur is pretty is pretty dead as far as that goes. Don't say sulfur, but uh, a lot of things that smell are sulfuric. Yeah, but the one that people always go to is rotting eggs, which is really dead. Yes, although it's a smell. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Um, Anyways. So 
the other thing that I was going to question is you said there was a magic system to it. Uh, can we hear a little bit about that before we go into the, the deeper stuff? Absolutely. So um, the magic system, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a bit derivative on this again. Uh, so I really like JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, and I like the idea of having uh, a wide variety of different powers and everything, and um, everyone's just unique, and it, it plays off their... Uh, their mental strengths and their mental weaknesses and everything. Um, so I decided that I wanted a way to have as many different possibilities to villains and heroes as possible. Um, so I came up with a system of Banes and Boons. Uh, basically, if you are able to contact one of these cosmic entities uh, that uh, manifest themselves as moons around the, uh, around the land, then they can give you a Bane or a Boon, or both of them at the same time. Um, Banes can be anything from um, a higher amount of strength, uh, telekinesis, um, anything like that. Those sound more like boons than Banes. Oh yeah, boons, boons, uh, sorry, I misspoke. Um, boons can be anything from higher amounts of strength, telekinesis, um, um, manifesting themselves as a, as a flame a spirit or whatever. Uh, Banes, on the other hand, they can be anything from uh, sensitivity to light, uh, the inability to walk into buildings without being invited, Obviously, I took that from um, old vampire stories or whatever. Taking someone's name, forgetting uh, large portions of their life and everything. And a few characters, I was able to use this um, to their advantage, adding a bit more um, depth uh, to their to their being, because they might uh, head up to a cosmic entity trying to get uh, Boone so that they can save their sister. But the bane that they get is that they forget who their sister is. So, does the power that slash bane that you get depend on like your negotiations with the god, like if you do it well or you, if you piss them off, or the or whims of them? Honestly, uh, I think that it's more like a four D chess on the uh, on the moon's part. So they'd be able to decide this person's going to be able to do this if I give them this, but if I take this away. Okay. And are the gods, like, playing against each other? What, what are their goals? Well, they certainly don't care about the people. Yeah, I had them um, more... I gave them this entire um, backlore spreadsheet uh, format and everything, giving their own um, mythos and everything. Uh, different, different moons would be associated with different aspects of the world. Different um, moons would try to vie for control against different uh, moons, but... Again, that's a bit into the reason why I dropped it, because as I started to write and as I started to develop these characters, these uh, these character sheets started to become obsolete. So one thing that I sort of want to play into here is that you said you were going for horror. And like, sure, there's some vague horror to uh, to this all going on. But what if we take a really simple step, right? And... um. Instead of each person can see, like, a number of moons um, that might be, like, zero to, f- zero to five, it's more like each person sees exactly one moon. The issue is that it's not the same moon. So some peoples move differently. Some peoples are different colors. Some peoples have different shapes on them. Some of them 
don't even really look like a moon until it's there for like 10 seconds every night just blasting like bright light over the landscape except that nobody else seems to see that light now that actually um i actually wrote something similar into the story uh basically the moons aren't they don't act like uh like how they're supposed to like if you if you live in one town uh you can see uh one moon but if you live in another town you can see a different moon oh but see in that case in that case it's the town you can confirm with the people around you that what you're seeing exists oh yeah no um yeah so it would be a person by person basis yeah essentially yeah and then at some point everybody's sort of realized this so it's vaguely creepy and a little strange but it's not really something that they're too concerned about that is until our main character stumbles upon a town where everybody sees the same moon (laughs) that would be creepy okay is our existential dread source an evil moon who's trying to oh no they're all evil none of them are good they're all evil they're all it, it's uh, basically more like uh, don't think of it as um, um, Abrahamic God. Think of it more as um, Greek gods, where they're all aspect. They're all a bit human in their uh, in their motivations, but none of them really give. N- none of them really care about. Uh... Oh no, we're going for cosmic horror. Their motivations are essentially nearly unscrutable. You can exen- you can occasionally see bits of humanity where they're fighting with each other or you know choosing to annoy each other in some way but most of the time you can't really tell what they're trying to do okay and uh like do we want this town to start producing zombie people or what are we (laughs) why did why did you go straight to zombie people <laughs> it wouldn't oh, no. be too bad of a stretch, actually, because um, uh, these powers—they can be any anything. Um, mind control—they can—they can be. Um, actually, uh, do you mind if I if I go on a little half tangent uh, for a moment? Go for it. You don't need to ask. <laughs> so, uh, the story that I wrote—it um, centered around um, a main character uh, named Vogel, and. I as soon as I scrapped the story, I basically took that name and I threw it in the story that I'm writing now. Uh, but well, I'm not going to talk about that. But the main character Vogel, uh, he was an army man that was uh, from another town, and he uh, notices the change in the moon, but he doesn't really say much. Um, he's been uh, through a bit through the war and everything, and he just wanted to work on a on a dock for a minute, uh, just to clear his head, just a, a simple life. So he starts working there for a few months, and the locals there uh, hostile towards him for a minute until eventually they start to just ignore him. Um, very shadow over in's mouthy. I'm not ashamed that I ripped that, but eventually some people started started to come down uh, carrying a noble, and uh, I'm gonna skip over a few details here. But one of the nobleman's guards um, gets a bane and a boon, and the bane was that he was able to plant seeds inside people's heads, literal physical seeds that he could uh, put inside of their brains so that he could um, uh, control their movements over a few weeks until eventually they sprout into flowers. The boon was that he also had a seed inside his head. I think you're mixing up your bane and boon again. Yeah, oh, crap. Okay, so... 
Okay. Uh, so he was he like? Do you die when it sprouts? It sprouts okay. and then um, uh, more like a mushroom uh, spreads its spores around the area. Okay. So I would make it so that every time he plants a new seed, it puts off the sprouting of his seed. Yeah, yeah, that would that would be good. Uh, cause then then he has more motivation to start dipping further and further into this uh, uh, psychotic rage that he starts to go into. Eventually, yeah. the entire town is um, up against Vogel, and he's uh, that's whenever he's trapped in that in that house with the nobleman uh, using a fire poker, trying to keep back the uh, the invading uh, townsfolk. Because he becomes like the last person who doesn't have a seed. Okay, that's not that's not. Yeah, so like, there's the cosmic horror background, but that's a zombie horror story. Um, Zombies now, <laughs> with flowers in their heads. If you made it, I, I mean, there's a couple of ways to go with this. You could either um, continue it the zombie style and like have him barely make it out by the skin of his teeth, and then if you wanted it to be like full on horror, he makes it out by the skin of his teeth. He gets to another town. He explains what happened. And then he wakes up in his bed the next morning, controlled. And then you just cut it out. You just cut the story. Wait, um, that's, that's the end? That's the end of it? That, yeah. Uh, oh, okay. So we write this whole thing where he escapes, and then, and then he doesn't escape. <laughs> yeah, he never escaped. <laughs> the entire point was to set him up so that he never escaped. But he thought he did. The other side of that uh, is that you could lean further into the cosmic horror angle and make this like a like a small part of his bigger story. So you could uh, really easily make it so that like he he's trapped in this place. He, there's no way out. He's using the fire poker, but it's not working, and he's almost dead. And then he's given an offer by one of the moons, by one of these entities, mm. and they tell him there's a bane. They tell him there's a boon. That's all. Oh, yeah. So you can make this a whole series of horror stories where, like, in order to escape from the previous horror, the character accepts a deal and then becomes the next horror. <laughs> well, you could tell that as a, as a series, yeah. You could also uh, go the route of, like, the boon is given, he uses it to escape, and then there's no information. He doesn't know what the bane is. He's never known what the bane is. Something out there is bad and it's going to happen to him and he doesn't know what it is. And the, there's a search and like every time he finds something, it's just like a little bit wrong. But this one applies too. So it's bad and bad and bad and you keep stacking bad shit <laughs> on top of the main character <laughs> until you finally like get to the end. And the Bane is essentially just, like, it's essentially, like, mild bad luck or something that seems small, but, like, that leads to all of this other bad shit happening. Oh, that'd be cool. And then they, they, they finally, as they're aware of it, and they're like, I can do something about this. That's when uh, they don't necessarily need to die, but something happens. Like, he's like, I, I found it. I figured it out. I can finally, finally avoid avoid this uh, this thing happening to me. And then, just, like, around him, he sees three moons. And then you cut it out on something, like, just 
okay, something has gone horribly wrong now that something finally went right. Just leave it absolutely hopeless. Well, yeah. We're, we're, we're giving horror here, not, uh, not a thriller. For the record, I have no idea why anybody reads horror. <laughs> There's a, there's a uh, series called um, um, Area X that uh, I guess I'm just gonna plug other people's stuff, but it's a it's um, uh, one of the best cosmic horrors that I've ever seen in my life, actually. I mean, a big a big part of horror is just like playing into the unknown. You know, just ending on a hopeless situation. <laughs> well, yeah. Otherwise, it's a thriller. You know, if you win. Yeah, I guess no. We don't want a thriller. We want horror. <laughs> um okay or it could be a situation that the main character thinks is good now after they've gone through uh negative character development yeah i'd like to yeah. this is uh something on a level that i'm not at and i doubt that i'll be at for several years but i've always wanted to uh write something that uh seems good in the moment like it seems like this is a this is the best possible outcome in the moment, but as a reader starts to think about it over the course of like a few days or maybe a week after they read it, they start to realize that's that's fucked. That's that's bad. Yeah. That's really difficult to pull off. I mean, I managed to create a, a magic system that's like creepy if you think about it, but it it's uh wrapped up into a a fantasy romance <laughs> short story. So I don't think I don't think most people actually have thought about how creepy it is. <laughs> but no, there's there's plenty of existential horror in in that. Um, personally, I saw it, but I was a yeah. little bit entertained by it's, it. It's it's my fantasy romance novella called Lonely Light, where it's like there's a there's an upper dimension that is basically like a dimension where there is no chaos there's no entropy and so there's no change and then so then everybody there is like always happy and content and that's just the existence that they live and unchanging <laughs> they cannot be anything but content yes <laughs> they physically lack the ability <laughs> are you sure you're not writing horror right now um no, she's got no. she's got great uh, ability to create horror premises, and then she just like yeah. turns them into like fluffy romance. Yeah, like this is all of my stories are like, whoa, like this situation could have turned out really wrong, but you just took it into the fluffy romance direction. <laughs> but like most of my readers don't even notice. They're like, great story, very fluffy. <laughs> Great story, so, very fluffy. Ignore the cosmic horror. Yeah, but like I wouldn't call it skill because I'm not doing it on purpose. <laughs> but yeah, you gotta do things like that where like, oh yeah, contentment. That seems like an ideal state, except you can't be anything else. <laughs> Ever, no matter what you happens. You don't really have the ability to have free will. <laughs> I think you wrote hell. <laughs> I also have a separate hell where there's nothing but entropy and chaos. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So that one's the obvious hell, and then the other one's like heaven, but actually also a hell. <laughs> so that's me. 
if any of my readers are listening to this, I hope I haven't ruined Lonely Light for you. <laughs> I kind of have to read Lonely Light now. Might help out the story. <laughs> Don't worry, it's fairly short. <laughs> okay. By the way, I want to call this episode Plants vs. Zombies. It's <laughs> 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 like tiny. <laughs> so it's like plants on zombies. You know, they've the the, the two sides have merged. <laughs> plants making zombies. Yeah. I like it. Okay. Plants are zombies. Do we want to add any more explicit elements to our horror story? Um, explicit in how? Like, do we want to add other characters, other specific gods, or, like, uh, the horror that we're going to attach to after the Plants vs. Zombies one, or whatever? I'd kind of like to explore more about that, um, uh, what Atheo said about the, um, the sort of, uh, continued storyline after that, so. Okay. So, um... Primarily what I was thinking was that, like, some for some reason, his his boon allows him to escape. Maybe... Ooh. I had an idea. Uh, okay. So, he's given the ability to teleport, right? And, like, he he's like, okay, I can teleport, I can get out of here, and he immediately uses it to do that, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's super, it's super easy, it's super simple. So he goes somewhere, and everything just seems a little bit off. Like, maybe maybe every house has one wall that's, like, a little bit wavy for some reason. And he's just like, okay, I don't know, maybe this is a thing that the town does. And then it seems fine at first, and eventually he's just like, okay, so whatever the heck's going on here... I'm gonna leave it. Or maybe he gets, like, locked in a broom cupboard by accident or something. It's very small, very minorly inconvenient. So he needs to teleport again, and he teleports out. And he teleports out, and he gets to where he intended to go. But maybe... Maybe the door has moved by three inches. And every time he teleports, something about the world changes slightly in a way that he doesn't that like nobody else recognizes that it has changed but he sees that it's changed Mm -hmm. and every time he needs to teleport it gets worse and worse and he's eventually seeing like twisted monsters from like basically everywhere um and he he needs to use his teleport to escape he needs to get away he needs to be somewhere else and then as he's coming to the realization right at the end it's not that the world around him has been getting worse. It's that every time he teleports, his bane, which was just warping his perceptions, has gotten worse. So now he's okay. just going slightly and slightly more crazy uh, as these moons are starting to screw with his eyes and his hearing. Yeah, and like maybe he was teleporting those monsters away from him sometimes, right? And maybe he was teleporting them places that would kill them so that he would get rid of them. And as he comes to this realization, there were no monsters. Those were people. He's just been teleporting people into volcanoes. <laughs> yeah, and underground and, like, burying them alive. And then, so he's become the, the next horror that somebody has to kill. Oh, no, no, no. Nobody has to kill him. As soon as, like, you come to the end realization of, like, 
he he's alone just like in the middle of nowhere and then he looks up he sees those three moons or whatever and then he's just like oh i see and then you cut the story and then you never come back to it i see perfect (laughs) (laughs) alternate ending is he becomes so crazy that all he does is continuously teleport because like everywhere he goes like it's not safe here it's not safe here it's not safe here and then (laughs) it just keeps going and then also good but has the potential to go too much comedy instead of uh horror that's that's my (laughs) fatal flaw (laughs) not really i just don't write horror this is scary i don't like it (laughs) (laughs) I don't write horror either, you know? But you could. (laughs) (laughs) Probably. I don't write horror anymore. Okay, so that sounds good. I believe we have a plot and a character and a magic system and a a really creepy ending. Multiple creepy endings to to choose from. Uh, Anything else anybody wants to add? I don't think I do. Okay, in that case, we will go to our ending plugging. So please email us at listeners at unwrittenimaginings.com with uh, the notification that you've picked one of our ideas and written it, or comments, suggestions, questions. Really, we're just desperate for somebody to email us so that we know that it works. Uh, <laughs> I know that it works. Okay. I was very careful to test it. And- well, or maybe just, like, proof that someone is listening. Uh, there we go. <laughs> uh, if if uh, you would like to be a guest on our show, email us at guests at unwrittenimaginings.com. Is there any place that a reader interested in your writing can currently read your writing, Ben? Not yet. Um, okay. Yeah. I had a lot of fun, uh, guys. This is, this if yeah. that changes by the time this episode goes live, make sure that you, uh, yeah, make sure that you send that to us so that we know. Or even if not by the time this episode goes live, like in the future, if there is writing available for purchase or free viewing, we will update the website link on our website to that writing. Well, thank you. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was a fun episode but scary. We'll see everyone next week. (laughs) See you next week.